finishing a series this weekend that we've called Sex, Kids, and Rock and Roll. And uh, throughout the whole series, we've been talking about intimacy, having a oneness of heart with God, and then bringing that into the marriage relationship, and then into the parenting relationship. And of course, it pushes through our friendships, our extended family, being connected to God on a very, very deep level. Our lives are lived from our soul up. So when I'm deeply connected into a oneness with God, a connectedness with God, uh, then it causes health to be the byproduct of the rest of my relationships. And so we've looked at this, we looked at um, uh, marriage and talked about what that connection is, how it works. Last week when we talked about parenting, we said that the act of parenting is not about uh, getting them to school and making sure they're fed. Parenting is actually us defining Christ's truth and love for our children. And so that's, that's actually what a parent is to do. We live with them. As Christ changes us, transforms us, we illustrate that for our kids. Both of those conversations are on our website, graceohio.org. So if you want to um, listen to them and uh, dig at them in depth, go there and grab them. We'd love for you to have it. This weekend, as we finish up the series, um, <clears throat> we want to explore the idea of maturity. And I know that's a, it's a little bit of a weird conversation off the top, but you're going to see by the end of it that maturity is actually the key to opening intimacy, intimacy in relationships, or it's the, the barrier to it. And spiritual, emotional maturity, how God would have us view the world and kind of view uh, the people that he places into our lives is a, is a big deal and how it functions in our life really defines our lives in many ways. And uh, so we're going to look at that, how it uh, is the key to those things. Now, in our culture, maturity is an interesting conversation because maturity is often confused with getting old, right? And so in our culture, we are taught, and this isn't good, bad, it's just kind of indifferent, it's just the way that it is. We're taught in our culture that the longer you can stay immature, the better you are and the happier you will be. And so we confuse the effects of aging with the call to be mature. So many times when we feel the effects of aging, what happens is we'll respond with emotional or spiritual immaturity, okay? So let me, let me explain this a little bit. So we're all getting older, right? All of us are getting older. Even if you're young and you're gonna get older, you're gonna be your parents, and I wanna rub that in. And so <laughs> that's just the way that it is. So we're all getting older. Some of us are old. If you are old, somebody will remind you what we talked about later on, okay, because you're gonna forget it. But I, I see this in my own life. So I've had, this week has been full of middle-aged moments for me. I, I've been uh, staying up too late, not getting enough sleep, and I can't handle it anymore. So um, last Saturday, uh, I go to the office on uh, Saturdays in kind of the late morning. I'm usually the first one there, getting ready for services Saturday night, 5.30 and 7. There's seats and parking, just saying. And so it'd be great if you went to service then. Uh, but I get in there in the afternoon, and our office building on Saturdays, I'm usually the first one there, and all the lights are out, right? So I go in, and I just kind of turn the lights on in my office, but the rest of the building is dark. And I was there for a couple hours. I had another middle age moment in that in the middle of getting ready for the service, I had to go to the bathroom. So I got up to go to the bathroom. I walked out in the hallway in our offices. You kind of go down this real short hallway, and then the men's room is like on the right, Usually the door is closed to it. So I was reading something, 
kind of walking into the bathroom, not paying attention. It was dark. And I went to lean, like throw my shoulder into the door. And some spawn of the devil had propped the door open. So I leaned and I just went flying into the bathroom. I hit the wall with my face and I kind of slid to the ground and I sat there and I was like, help, I've fallen and I, I can't get up, you know, got nothing went out of me. And so then the, a few days later, the, the boys and I are building this addition to our, our tree fort. And so I was one board short, right, guys? You know what it's like to be one board short? And so on my way home from the office, I stopped at the Home Depot to pick this four by four post up, this board I needed. I'm not really sure what happened exactly, but the end result was I smacked myself in the face with the four by four post and I fell to the ground in Home Depot and I was like, help me, <laughs> I've fallen and I, I can't get up. And so I don't know if that all caused brain damage or what, but a few days later I went to the office and I walked to the office and I, I got all the way into my office and I looked on my desk and my laptop wasn't there and I, I remembered that I had it in the car. And so I went back to my car and uh, the office, the particular door I went out locks itself behind you, you know? So I went out to my car, hit the clicker on the car, got my laptop out. This is, I have no idea what I would, what, how this happened. I turn around and I go to walk in the door and I hit the clicker. <laughs> and I hit, I hit it twice and this is the thought. Why won't that stupid door unlock? The battery's dead on my clicker. So you're going to have middle-aged moments, right? And that, that's going to happen more and more. And if you're a teenager, I want you to know that you're going to become your parents. <laughs> and um, if you're a middle-aged, you're going to become your grandparents. <laughs> it's awesome. But you won't remember by the time you're there, so it's not a big deal. Our response to aging often then is immaturity. And that's the way that our culture works. So knowing that I'm getting older, right, instead of looking and saying, boy, maybe what I shouldn't do is smack myself in the face with four by four posts anymore, we'll go and we'll get like a tattoo or we'll get a piercing or something. We'll respond immaturely to something that's naturally happening. And that's kind of the way that it is right now in our culture. I was watching um, this uh, home improvement deal thing and these people were house hunting and they had looked at three different houses and it was time to choose. And they, they, choose, they chose this one house and the father said this, this is a quote. He said, I'm 41 years old, I have two children, I guess it's time for me to grow up. And that's pretty typical, isn't it? That's the way that we think, right? We tend to think and we tend to celebrate and we tend to push toward immaturity. Now, Immaturity, does, it doesn't matter how old you are for immaturity to present itself. So younger people tend to present immaturity this way. Younger people tend to be immature by longing for rights and responsibilities they haven't yet earned. So it's the teenagers, the college student, it's the kids saying, I want to, you should... And your parents or someone else looking at you and say, well, wait a minute, you have, you have not earned that. You're not ready for that. You're not mature enough. Well, yes, I am. And you present immaturity that way. That's fascinating. The older we get, we present immaturity by resenting rights and responsibilities that we should embrace. Just kind of switches gears. And all of that, that's why we call it the rock and roll. It's the rock and roll mindset. It's that, it's that independent streak and whatever should be, we're going to push against on purpose 
no matter what stage we are in life. And that's actually a presentation of immaturity. Now, what happens is that's become so normal and natural for us, we kind of have lost sight of the fact that that is often the reason why our relationships break down. That mindset is poison to healthy, deep, intimate relationships, starting with our relationship with God, moving through marriage, family, friendships, that lack of maturity. It's not just like a get your act together or grow up or don't grow up. It's actually much deeper than that. It's a sign of something that's going on deep within our heart. Let me show you what I mean. Why is maturity such a big deal and why is it critical to relationships? Open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs, page 815 in those Bibles. And uh, if you are electronic, we use the Version app. You can open it or download it and hit live, and our zip code is 44333. And let me position this a little bit because this, this writing is directed toward the early church. So the Apostle Paul is writing on God's behalf, and he's writing to the church, the people of God that comprise the church. So the Bible tells us this, when I, when I accept the forgiveness of my sin, when I become a Christ follower, three things happen instantaneous for me, okay? Number one, I'm forgiven. Number two, I'm what the Bible calls filled with the Holy Spirit or, or the Spirit of God comes and lives in me is how we would tend to say it. And the third thing that happens we don't think about as much is I become a part of the church, so the church isn't an institution, the church isn't the staff, the church isn't the building, the church is people, right? It is the followers of Christ. So a church is the sum total of its individual parts. You plus 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 me is the church, okay? So when Paul is writing here to the church, he's talking about maturity in the church, he's talking about how the church works. The church isn't going to work correctly unless I work correctly because a church is a sum total of its individual parts. So we can pull these principles right down into kind of who we are, who God is calling us to be. And God is talking here about what he wants to accomplish in his church and then how that's going to work in us. Verse 11, chapter 4 of Ephesians is where we'll start. So Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers for a reason to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer uh, be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And God's vision for the church, and Paul lays down a bit of a plan Church is the sum total of its individual parts. And so it winds up, if I'm, a, if I'm a follower of Christ, it winds up being kind of a vision and a plan for me that I adopt. And as I aspire to it, God alters, changes me, and then we corporately come together. Let's look at it a little bit. Look, look at verse 11 again. So Christ himself gave 
the apostles and prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers, to equip his body for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is what I want you to see here. Christ is active in appointing you and me as part of his church into certain positions in our lives. Christ actively positions us relationally, right? So he positions us within the church. The Bible tells us in another place that he, Christ, is the one who gives us children before the foundations of the earth were laid. He knew you were going to exist, knew who your parents were going to be. Christ brings our spouses into our lives and then blesses that union when we make that choice. Christ ordains friendships. We don't just wind up places in life. It's not happenstance. God is organizing. He is placing. He is appointing us. And he's doing that for a reason so that the people of God, the church, can lead other people to the knowledge of the Son of God can teach them how to follow God, do the works, equip them to serve in the ministry, and to attain the fullness of Christ, to become who Christ wants us to be. So if I am a human being, this is, and I'm a follower of Jesus, this is how God works with me. The only human being that this doesn't apply to in the room right now is maybe a baby or two or some very, very young children. But if I'm 8, 9, 10, if I'm a teenager, college student, certainly if I'm a dad, a mom, a parent, aunt, uncle, I am leading someone. Everyone leads someone in their lives. Everyone has someone who looks at them and is aspiring to pick up aspects of their life. And God would say, right, I did that. I did that. I arranged your life. I brought these people, your coworkers or your coworkers, ultimately because I wanted them to be your coworkers. I decided when and where and what point in history you were going to be born. This is not luck. It's purposeful. And your role in that is to help them know and follow Jesus. Okay, now that, that's a very, very important thing that as if I'm a, if I'm a follower of Jesus, it's an important thing. If I'm not a follower of Jesus, it's still a reality but it changes my <clears throat> mindset. If I'm one of these people that God has appointed, and if you're a human being, you are, then I am not going to be able to be connected to God or other people unless I embrace that in my life. If you're a Christian, we call it embracing your calling. For everyone, we would say it's loving and connecting with the people around you. It's maturity. I see the people around me as people that God has placed in my life so that I can take them someplace. This is a gift. Your children are a gift. Your spouse is a gift. Your friends are a gift. Your coworkers are a gift. The people in church are a gift. They are not burdens. They're not people you're stuck with. They're not people that you tolerate or survive. They're people that God has brought into your life and as a follower of Christ, people that I want to move to a greater understanding of the knowledge of Jesus, okay? So a mature person sees other people that way. Now, that's very different than our culture. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not bashing a culture. I'm just identifying it. Our culture, which would say, 
the less responsible and the less unattached I am, the happier I would be. See? And Christ would say, actually, the more that you lock into these gifts of relationships and the more that you divest your life into them, the more your soul will be satisfied. So what Paul does here is he describes this a little bit. And as he goes through it and talks about what this looks like, we can start to see the characteristics of a mature person and it lets us know kind of how to point and what to reach for in our lives. So what does a person who is embracing their God-given appointment, how does that person live or how do they think or what do they do? Here's some things I wrote down. First of all, a person who's embracing this mindset in life is a person who embraces the opportunity, embraces the opportunity. Look at verse 14. God does all of this. Then, verse 14, we will no longer be infants. Pause, okay? We'll no longer be infants. Aspiring to maturity is a result of knowing Christ. It's very fascinating. Because I am equipping, because I have unity in the faith, because I have a knowledge of the Son of God, I am becoming mature. As God transforms me and changes me, the result, the byproduct of that is maturity. So someone who is spiritually, emotionally mature is someone who is being transformed by Christ it's someone who would look at the immature options and not be motivated by them. So instead of being an adolescent as long as possible, it's 41, I guess I have to grow up now. Instead of trying to relive my teenage years through my teenagers, instead of being on this constant quest for social standing, instead of having a mindset that never quite left the eighth grade, right? A mature person, a result of their maturing, the result of them knowing God is that they would think differently than all those kind of things. Now, this is a big deal. This is what that means. When I give my life then to this kind of constant adolescent mindset, it's not the sign of a free spirit it's actually a sign of a heart that's not yielded to Christ. Because a heart yielded to Christ will cause me to no longer live as an infant. Right? I know what we're thinking. Some of you are like, Jeff, geez. Ohio State won last night. What are you so grumpy about? Right? Because that sounds really, that's so countercultural, it sounds grumpy. Right? And I know Ohio State won last night, and they won decisively. They just like to help the other teams, you know, participate in the game a little bit. That's, that is so foreign to us because freedom and free spirited and work, work the least amount that you have to, and that is the way that that's what's celebrated all the time. And Christ is saying, no, no, no. That's actually a sign of a heart that is not yielded to God because a heart that's yielded to God is a heart that no longer lives as an infant. Let me show you other places in Scripture. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Those of us who are followers of Jesus should be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15. 
Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, whose hearts are yielded to Christ, are going to have a sober outlook on life. That doesn't mean that we're angry. It doesn't mean that we're grumpy. It doesn't mean that we're pious. We don't all have to live as Quakers and read the Bible 10 hours a day and eat oats. But it does mean that we embrace the gift of responsibility and relationships God gives us as opposed to resent it. That's the sobriety. We would look and say, God, God didn't just bring this person into my life to get on my nerves. He brought this person into my life because the days are evil and their soul is in danger of hell and I actually know how to help them avoid that. But if I'm so busy living like a child, see. So someone who is mature or maturing is someone who embraces the opportunities is actually a byproduct of Christ defining and directing the heart. Another thing that's true of someone who is maturing is this. Someone who is maturing lives above the whims of the day. They live above the whims of the day. Then we'll no longer be infants, but what will we be instead? What's an infant live like? Infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. Someone who is mature lives above the whims of the day. Someone who is mature lives above the culture. They're not defined by it. Someone who is mature is defined by their knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, God's truth and God's love, God's calling is what defines them and drives them. Living above the whims of the day is being a person that is defined by the love and the truth of Christ. A mature person is not chasing the winds or the, or the trends of the day. A mature person is actually anchored against them. I'm anchored by Christ, his love, his call, his purpose in my life, circumstances don't really matter because this is my mooring point. I'm not bouncing around, blown and tossed all over the place. Now, what are the winds of the day? What do the winds of the day look like? So winds of the day <coughs> vary, right? Uh, winds of the day are politics. They come, they go. In the long run, no nation has ever lasted since the beginning of the history of time. So I'm pretty sure 100 years ago, the Republicans and the Democrats were fighting, and I'm pretty sure Jesus was still Lord. So a mature person is going to be moored against that, right? I have opinions and I have views, but what defines me, what brings me peace the winds of the day in a more personal way would be things like the demands of our children. My kids want and they want and they want and they want and I gotta run them there, I gotta run them there, they wanna be a part of this and they want this clothes and they want... And the winds of the day would be a person who's always trying to pacify the kids and what do the kids want, what do the kids need and our life is defined by the kids and our marriage is defined by the kids and someone who participates in the children's adolescence instead of leads them through their adolescence. Winds of the day are things like pressures at work. 
Isn't it fascinating that the most important steps on the career ladder almost directly line up with the most important periods that it, of, of parenting your children? If I, don't, if I don't make these moves in my 30s and 40s, then I won't land where I need to be. And it's fascinating. That's when the parenting demands are the highest. And why would I do this? And what am I trying to achieve? And what am I trying to accomplish? But what has God given me? What position has he appointed me to? What do I need to see? The winds of the day are the midlife crisis. I'm 45. I tell everyone I'm 29, but secretly I'm 45. Yeah, we know. <laughs> right? So it's the midlife crisis. And, and here I am at 45. And who am I? I don't know who I am anymore. And I got to find an identity. And oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't you have three children? Aren't you a, a wife? Are you a daughter? Are you a child of God? Don't you have an identity? I'm 45 and I, I got an extra 20 pounds and no hair and, and I, I don't know, what am I going to do? I'm feeling old. I better go get a convertible. Really? Don't you have children to disciple? Don't you have a wife God has entrusted you with? Shouldn't you be aspiring to lead within the body of Christ? We're searching for ourselves. See, what caused that discontentment? That doesn't come from our soul. That comes from our culture. The culture that says, well, you're getting old, you better be young. Where the Bible says, actually, you're getting old, it's a gift. You should be wise and invest that differently. It would be the opposite, and yet... The follower of Christ might chase that around. We're blown and we're tossed. We're erratic in our behavior. Because why? Because something from the outside told us that we should not embrace the position in life that God placed us. The maturing person lives above that. See, I don't care if you get a convertible. I, that, you understand, it's not the point. It's what defines me. It's who I am. It's what I long to be. Another sign of maturity is found in verse 15. It's a person who speaks truth lovingly. Look at it. We're no longer infants, blown tossed back forth by the waves, blown here and there and by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceit. Verse 15, there's, a, there's an opposite. Instead, speaking the truth in love, let's just pause there. A sign of someone who is mature or maturing is someone who speaks the truth and speaks it in love. <clears throat> they speak the truth and they speak it in love. Many people speak the truth. They'll shout the truth. They'll scream the truth. They'll, they'll paint the truth on a placard and protest. Many, many, many people speak the truth and they only speak the truth. And if I only speak the truth and I do not speak it in love, my speaking of the truth is actually a revealing of immaturity. And other people <clears throat> only react lovingly. I'm lovey-dovey and I'm so tender-hearted and, and my desire to be loving is actually an excuse for me not having a spine. So I become an enabler. I don't stand for anything. And that's actually, it, that's not being a martyr, that's kind of being a wimp. It, it's immaturity. 
And the Bible would say, no, 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 the mature person speaks truth and speaks it wrapped in love. I'm going to bring truth into my relationships, and I'm going to wrap that truth in love. This is what Christ does, right? So Christ tells us some very difficult things. Christ says, you're a sinner, you're an enemy of God, apart from a salvation found only in me, you are going to go to hell. And then Christ, John 13, shows us the full extent of his love, this difficult truth wrapped in this enormous love. So because I'm the only one that can forgive you of your sins, I by my own power will lay my life down and by my own power I will raise it up again. I love you. That's the gospel. The gospel is hard truth and radical love, right? You separate those two things out, it's actually a very immature thing to do. Now, it's a little side note. It's also a sign of maturity when I receive truth. See, so husband, when your wife looks at you and tells you the truth about yourself and you respond defensively and in a patronizing way, you're being immature. See, and, and wife, when your husband looks at you and tells you the truth about yourself and you turn on the tears and say, you don't love me anymore, you're being manipulative and immature. See, teenager, when your parents look at you and tell you the truth about yourself and you respond, well, you, you just don't know how you're doing it. <laughs> Which is exactly how you sound to your parents, okay? It's very immature. Parents, when you scream truth at your children, but don't take the time to actually journey through life with them, Deuteronomy chapter six. See how that works? So it's the mixing of those two things. Truth and love is exactly how Jesus interacts with us, and it's maturity. It's maturity. It's emotional, spiritual maturity. Here's the last sign I want to show you in this passage. It's actually in verse 16. Look at it. From him, from Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows, builds itself up in love. It's each part does its work. The body is a visual that God uses to describe the church. Another part of the Bible, Corinthians, talks about this person's the head, this one's the feet, this one's the hand. And, it's, and, the, and the writer says, if you resent your position, see, if you resent that I, ah, I'm the hand, I wanted to be the big toe. If you resent your position, the body malfunctions. Why? Because it's back to verses 11 and 12, because God has appointed, Christ appointed, Christ gathers the church, Christ decides how your life plays, so he brought these relationships into your lives. When we embrace that, the ligaments work together, we build up, and each of us does our work, we have health when one part of our body decides not to work right, we have disease. A mature person embraces their God-appointed positions as opposed, as opposed to resenting them, right? Let me, let me show you what I mean, because I think this really is a big part where the rubber hits the road. So we'll compare and contrast this a little bit. Immature people spend their lives striving to be someone different than God created them to be. 
which, by the way, is usually who they want to be, as opposed to who God wants them to be. Mature people spend their lives doing the work of the position God has placed them in. So for instance, to illustrate, the father who resents being tied to his family, so he's forever working to be away. I got this hobby, I got this job, I got this trip, I got this promotion, I got this thing at this place with this person about this issue. Always is working to be away from his family is a very immature father. Why? Because God entrusted you with a wife and he entrusted you with children so that you could equip them to do the work of the ministry, so that you could expose them to the knowledge of the Son of God, so that they could aspire to the fullness of Christ, and you resent it. The mature father would embrace it. I'm going to be a family man. I'm going to craft life in such a way. Even if I have to say, back off to the career so that I can invest in my children. I'm going to long to be with my wife, career relationship that's vibrant as opposed to I'd much rather be with my buddy. The immature mother is one who fears her age, for instance. So she fights to be her children's friend and peer. She participates in the immaturity of their childishness as opposed to being a mother who sees that she's been entrusted with the spiritual care of her children, trusted primarily with her connection to her husband, because the greatest thing that we can give our children is a healthy marriage. And she engages that and embraces that. She's one that instead of participating in the drama of adolescence, would be above it, above the whims of the day, and would lead her children through it. I'm your mother, I'm not your friend, I'll be your friend when you're 35. Right now, somebody's got to be the grown-up. And God caused that to be me. So I will lead you through that. It's the teenager, the immature one is the teenager who demands rights and freedoms that they have not earned. By the way, the more you demand it, the more you're... um, making it clear you're not ready for it. The mature teenager is one who looks and says, my role in life at this place in my life is to honor my father and my mother as if they're the Lord, as if God speaks through them. So an immature person might say, you got it, you better, I'm gonna... A mature person might look and say to their mother and father, I would like this freedom could you tell me how to earn this from you? What do you need to see in me in order for me to earn this right and this responsibility? It's the friend, the immature one is the friend who always keeps her options open for a better invitation. The mature friend is one who endures and prefers and is quick to forgive. It's the spouse who fantasizes about their freedom. Marrying her was a great idea 20 years ago. Now I'm kind of regretting it. I don't even like anybody else. I just want to be left alone. You fantasize about the freedom. The mature spouse is one who says, wait a minute, God has placed me here in her life, in his life, to be a part of redeeming them. 
What can I do to bring romance and passion and vitality back into this relationship as opposed to avoid it, deny it, and move away from it? It's the Christ follower, the immature one is the Christ follower who always looks for the exemption and the tolerances of, of parameters. So it's things like this where Jesus or, or uh, yeah, God says in Ephesians chapter four, for instance, there should be no hint of sexual immorality among you. I'm over here, I'm right here. Purity, no hint of sexual immorality among you. Do you mean right here? No, I mean right here. Well, what about here? Lightning bolt? No. Well, what about over here? Well, you might mean over here. What about in this area over here? See, this is what God said. The immature believer is looking and saying, how far can I move without actually moving totally away from God? It's a very immature view. The mature believer looks and says, God, where are you? I'm here. Well, I want to be right with you. I want to be connected with you, defined by you. I want that more and more. I'm seeking to discover what you want as opposed to seeking to be out from under your leadership without quite denying my faith. See See how it works? Maturity is someone who embraces because God has joined together. God causes health and each part does its work. And what does maturity produce? It's fascinating. Look back at verse 15. This is the end result. So speaking the truth in love, what happens when we act maturely and pursue maturity? We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. See, I'm defined now by Christ. I want to be connected to Christ because life works from the soul up. I'm embracing God's leadership and direction in my life and what that produces then is maturity or we might, we would often in our vernacular say health. See, it causes things to work well. As I become who Christ has called me to be, then I become the parent, the child, the husband, the wife that Christ called me to be. The church is some total of its individual parts. A bunch of people responding to Jesus become a healthy, vibrant church then. Okay. Now, ready for this? Here you go. Catch this. This is the key to intimacy. This is the key to intimacy. Right? Why? Because I cannot be one of heart with someone that I am always subtly rebelling against and resenting. How am I going to be connected with Jesus when I really don't want to be connected with Jesus? How am I going to passionately pursue who Christ is when I would actually rather passionately pursue the things that I want? And that independent, rebellious little streak that is, that is taught to us from day one becomes poison. This is why our relationships are so poisoned in our culture, okay? Because my, my life works from the soul up. If I'm not intimate with God, I'm not going to be intimate with other people. I don't really want to be connected with God. I just kind of want to want him to be in his place so I can go do what I want. And then that's going to flow through the rest of our relationship. So husbands, 
Your wife, your wife is not going to give you her heart, her mind, or her body. She's not going to give that to someone who really doesn't want to be around her. She knows that. She knows how you actually feel. She knows that you're always looking to be out the door instead of inside and the connected to the family. And so what happens? There's no intimacy. There's no connectedness of heart. See, wives, your husband is not gonna give you his mind, his heart, the best of his efforts, which is men's most dominant love language. We're gonna do something for you or really even his body, he's not going to give that to a woman who resents him. See, yeah, well, I guess we're married. There's going to be no passion, no love, no vibrancy, no health. Why? Because there's a lack of maturity. A teenager, as, as you, college student, as you rebel against your parents... You're pushing their heart away from you. There's going to be no connectedness. All you're doing is teaching them not to trust you more. Parents, as, as you want to kind of be with anybody but your kids, they're not going to respond to you. You have no relationship with it. See this works? So on a very surface level, maturity, spiritual, emotional maturity... It sounds like a, come on, get your act together, everybody, grow up. Jesus wants you to grow up. It's got very little to do with that. On the deepest level, maturity is what allows us to trust each other. It's what, it's what allows us to be close to each other. It's what allows us to tie each other's heart. Because as I'm maturing and embracing Christ, I'm going to mature, I'm going to embrace you, and that's going to cause a oneness. The be young and immature and shed responsibility for as long as you possibly can is what has shredded the relationships in our culture. It doesn't lead us to freedom. It leads us to bondage. You can get what you want. You're just going to enjoy it all by yourself. When I give my life, see, my soul gets satisfied because I've given myself fully to Christ and then maturity is the byproduct of that. And I'll live in such a way that I'm able to give myself fully to the people around me, right? Intimacy, intimacy. It's what Christ wants for us. It's what the abundant life is built out of, okay? And that's where all of this winds up tying together. The things my soul longs for, it's intimacy with God. I was created for that. Intimacy in my marriage, intimacy with my children, intimacy with my friendships. And maturity becomes a key that unlocks it, and immaturity is a barrier that blocks it and keeps us away from it. As the band comes out, I'd like us to do this. I'd like for us to pray. I'd like for you to ask God if you're a follower of Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit to help you look deep into your heart and expose to you these subtle strains of independence and rebellion. They're very subtle. We, we have a, 
an ingrained desire to hold on to our own lives and to make ourselves happy. And God places within us a different passion to lay down our lives, to serve him, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So maybe ask God, whatever relationship context is true of you, ask God to expose those those subtle or even blatant strains of independence that keep us from being mature. Surrender them back to him so that our hearts can be tied to him and then to each other because our, our lives are lived from the soul up, right? Would you think about it? Would you pray about it? And would you give God that freedom in your heart here even today?